Okay, let's just remain in that place for a moment. Perhaps again for the first time today, reminding ourselves of this passionate pursuit between God and us. Sensing our value and our worth, recognizing the call in our lives. God, today that each of us, all across this church, and those who aren't here today, that Father, we would know, we would know how much you care for each and every one of us. That we would see our value. And that, Father, it would cause us to hope. And Spirit of the living God, as we uh, go through the word today, we ask that you would come in power, that you would move among us, that you would speak to us and challenge us and draw us closer to you. That, Father, each of us would leave this church transformed, having spent time in your presence, being refreshed, hearing your voice, sensing a recharge for our souls today. And the church prayed because we believe in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing today? Can we, uh, not because, you know, we need to, but it's just nice to, uh, show some appreciation for our worship team today. And of course, we're continuing our worship. You know, what God has uh, started in you through your singing uh, we're going to continue through focusing on the Word. Last week we had Roy Crown here. Uh, hands up, who was here last week? Loads of us, um, a few of us weren't. We had uh, Roy Crown with us who, uh, if you heard of Youth for Christ and Hope 08, started uh, many initiatives over the years in uh, evangelism, reaching people for Jesus. He was, he was great. And he, he said that I need to eat more chips. So I've been trying to do that this week, eating some more chips. He tortured me. Uh, so we're looking at stories of hope. That's our series. And I thought it was fantastic to hear your story and, and, and you know, the heart healing and amazing. And, um, and last night when I was kind of thinking about the message this morning, it's so, it's so easy, especially as you get you know, a little bit older as a gentleman. Isn't it right, fellas? We get a bit grumpy about life. Because we deserve to be grumpy, you know, it should be, the world should be the way that we, we see it. And it's easy to grumble, all right? Amen, men? Amen. 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 It's true, isn't it? And, and then sometimes these moments of breakthrough, like a, like a cloudy day when the sun comes through and you get a real perspective. And I just started thinking about, I want to share a few things with you this morning. A few things that I'm really happy about and that I have just, I've got to share this morning. Uh, last week we had two people come to faith in our church last weekend. Amazing. Um, I think because we like to count these things, over the last three months we've seen eight people come to faith. Uh, through church, through our gatherings, through God doing stuff. And I'm like, that's amazing. Wow. Like, wow. God, you're doing stuff. I, went, I popped to the loo before uh, uh, worship and uh, there was like 14 kids uh, just sat, uh, ready to be taught the good news of Jesus. A year ago, we had like no young people in our church. 
And then we've got the, to- uh, the toddlers as well, if I'm getting the age ratios right. We've got those on top. And you're like, wow, that's good news. Um, I'm thinking about the stories of hope that I know uh, from some of you within this church. Stories of, I really felt like God was doing something over this time. Or the right job came up. Or I've met somebody. Or I just feel like this church is really home for me. Or I've moved house, I feel really settled. There's, there's loads of stories of people just feeling like they're way through this journey of life. Stories of hope. I'm so incredibly grateful for, uh, that by God's design and intervention, we all have the capacity to hope today. Think about hope, the word hope. Uh, So I was thinking about, uh, because I like to kind of play around with English, and I was thinking around uh, conversations where we say the word uh, hope uh, and what it really means without thinking about it. So for example, um, I might say to you, uh, oh, what are you doing after church? And you might say to me, hopefully, I'm going to go and have a nice dinner somewhere. You might say that. Hopefully, that speaks of something that, you know, we, there's a positive coming. We know we feel good about something that's about to happen. Uh, you might say, um, if you are uh, single in church today, I might say to you, um, do you think this year could be the year or next year or any time, whenever, that you might meet Mr. or Mrs. Wright for your life, for you? You might say, Elijah, I'm hopeful. Right? Right? Uh, and, and that can be a prophetic word if you want it. You claim that. But, but I'm hopeful. And it's this idea of, we, we say these phrases, but what do they mean? I'm hopeful. What we're saying there, I think we'd all agree, is that actually um, there's, there's, there's something in it. Um, you know, I kind of, I trust it might happen. There's a belief it could happen. Um, you know, if, if the odds were against me, I'd, I kind of say it, it's more going to happen than not. I'm hopeful. You might say, uh, if you are not single in church today, and I ask you about your partner's cooking, you might say, oh, it's hopeless. <laughs> hopeless. This idea of, th- there's, there's not a good ending. It's not a positive, it's a negative sometimes. I know I'm causing major divisions here. Um, I'm just trying to highlight some of the ways. We just say these words, but what do they mean? Isn't it crazy that literally... Millions and millions and millions of people, quantify that for a moment, are living without hope at the moment. For hope, they, that could, for, their, for, their, for them, that hope could be um, that I uh, just do a good job next week at work. That's not really hope, hope, is it? That's, that's kind of like, a, okay, I'll play out next week. When we look at the story of hope, we have to go back to the beginning. There's a narrative that's been going on since the, t- the start of time where, um, where God created us. And we came into the world and we hung about for a bit and we know the story, Adam and Eve, eventually temptation came in and we chose to be disobedient and to do it ourselves and to do life the way we want to. We call it sin, rebellion of God. And ever since then, mankind has been kind of trekking along, hoping that next week would be better than the last one, with no real control apart from it's a hope. And uh, you get all sorts of phrases like, um, you know, you haven't got a hope in hell. What does that even mean? A hope in hell. I'm not sure people hope in hell. They probably wish they weren't there, but all of that, it's like just weird. Where does it come from? And then we look at, and this is where the stories of hope and what we've been sharing, and we will be sharing, Joe's speaking next weekend, just hearing stories of now, but also in the past of what God has done for all of us. I'm not sure if you're a believer today in church. This could be your first time here. It could be your millionth time in this church and you are hope-filled or you might feel like you are hopeless. Only you can answer that. 
But the narrative since the start of time, God's interjection into our lives says, actually, you can now have a hope. Not because of what you've done or what you might wish might happen, but the truth of who I am. Is that making sense? Because regardless of whether we plug in or plug out, the truth is truth. And I've got a bit of a graph I want to show us. It's not scientific. Please don't mock me. Please don't write me emails or letters about this. You know, you can totally take it or leave it. But it gives you a good example, I think, of where most of us live. This is no hate game. This is no, hmm, or to myself, hmm, it's just life. But when we look at this line of who Jesus is, I'm going to show you a nice picture. Since the start of time, bam, 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 I'm hopeful that we'll get there. Keep going. Yes. Perfect. See, all of you think about the science classes right now, aren't you? It's the color. It's the red. It's the, what is that, blue, green? It's going crazy in my eyes. What is that? Anyway, there's Jesus. Now, Jesus points towards something, which isn't just about you or I. Believe it or not, the picture of humanity and the story of humanity is bigger than just you and me. I can't believe it, right? It just is. It's not just us. There's a big narrative going on. And, and the narrative, was, as we read in Scripture, speaks towards um, a time where people will be judged. Uh, people will regret choices they've made. But ultimately, those who put their faith in Jesus Christ... Oh, come on. Honestly, we are gonna, we're going we're gonna to feel that hope. We're going to be so glad that we put our trust and our hope in Jesus Christ. And, um, and this is a story. And then we look at, Jesus. have I said something? <laughs> but, then we look at the story of you or I. And this is what I think most of our journeys are like. Let's look at the next picture. So, when we look at the story of hope in our own lives, let's be totally honest. Sometimes we feel really hopeful we might even think back if we're feeling really philosophical about life. We might think, yes, God's got me in his hands. doesn't matter what happens, bring it on, God has got me. And you might think, man, I'm, I'm hope-filled. I'm filled by hope. This idea that whatever comes against me will not detract uh, against my relationship, my promise, uh, my inheritance, I'm adopted. We kind of get it. And then most of us, most days, are thinking nothing like that. And we're like, oh my days, Really? Another challenge, another obstacle, and like we just kind of go up and down. Then we might have a great Sunday in church, and we'll think, I'm hope-filled again. And then we'll get Wednesday, and we're thinking, is it Friday yet? This boss is like driving me crazy, like the kids are nuts, she's nuts, he's nuts, it's kicking off. And suddenly, we're a bit like this, aren't we? Is it just me? But often, my, my journey and my relationship have these moments of ups and downs. But actually, just to focus our minds again, it doesn't really matter what we're feeling or we're not feeling. It doesn't really matter if we are uh, having a hope-filled week or a hope-less week. Of course, it matters. But ultimately, when we look at the bigger story, when we look at the macro instead of just the micro details, the truth is that we can have a hope. Because of where we're going. Because of who Jesus is. Because of what he's done. This idea of hope. Is that making sense? I know it's a very simple picture. I thought the colours would impress you. Clearly not. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are a story of hope. 
Wow. Think about what God's done in your life. The stories, the moments, the I can't believe that could have happened. That's where I could have been. This point of where I said yes to Jesus. Or maybe it was points, moments of a journey. But actually, I can clearly sit here. I am much better off on this journey than I was before. Wow. I've got a hope. When we look at the real meaning uh, and we, the root word of, of what hope means, we come to the word elpis in Greek, which means favourable and confident. And I kind of thought straight away, I'm not a gambling man, but I thought of this really simple analogy. And I kind of thought about um, having some, uh, some kind of cards and, um, and, and me knowing um, that my cards are really good and, and knowing that, that your cards probably aren't. And we kind of go all in to the moment of, do, do we go all in here? Do we do kind of put our houses on the line? I'm advocating this. Do we put our, our cars on the line? Everything, it's like, this is, this is it, right? It's make or break. But I look at my cards again, and I'm thinking, these are killer cards. I know the pack. I know the numbers, the ratios. There's no way I'm going to be beaten here. Like, I'm in. I'm hopeful, yeah? The odds stacked in my favour and we go all in and of course you win. You know actually the word elpis is talking around this favourable idea. We know already that the cards that are being dealt to us are in favour. That this isn't a negative but a plus. That as we commit to going all in actually it's a win-win for us and there's a real confident expectation that comes from that. We have such a hope because of God's redemptive story. The way we're adopted in, the way we inherit the goodness of God, the way that we get to live forever, this story of him walking with us day by day, advocating for you and I. I love it. And why do we forget it? Romans 8.24 says this, for in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not really hope. For who hopes for what he or she sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, this idea of what's to come, we wait for it with patience. Isn't that incredible, this idea of what's to come? And I was kind of skimming through some key scriptures and and some key verses. And this one you might know really well, but um, it's been rephrased and I really like it. Jeremiah 29.11 says this, For I know the thoughts that that I have towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Are you feeling hopeless today? Are you feeling hopeful today? Remember in that picture of the ups and downs, the zigzags. That actually, if we just align ourselves to the truth and the message that is of Jesus Christ, ultimately, it's going to pay off. Even when we don't feel like it. Even when it shouldn't feel like a hopeful situation. A picture I had a few, uh, about three months ago, I'm away for the next three weekends doing um, some kind of church city campaigns, um, gathering the churches uh, with my job, Tia Fund, and we did the same thing in Merseyside about three months ago, and I came home after spending a few weeks on the road, I was shattered, and I got up one morning, and I felt just, just depressed, I was like, I feel out of it, I feel sad, and I woke up with this thought that my mum was going to die. I don't know where it came from. And at this stage, mum was healthy. Like, there was, there was no, like, signs of anything. So I was out walking my dog, Benji, and um, it was pitch black. And as I was out walking, um, 
I just couldn't shake this thought of mum's going to die. I was th- Elijah, you know, you just think, why are you thinking this thought? Are you being silly? It's irrational. And I just, I just woke up. I just knew. And um, as I was walking my, my dog back towards home, it was pitch black. And I was trying to shake these thoughts. And then out of the pitch black, the sun started to come up over the top of the houses. And this, this voice, and, it, and I won't say, the voice of God spoke to me in his Teesside accent. But it was definitely a new. It's that picture of something dropping into your mind and you think, where's that come from? And then when an action follows it, it reaffirms it's the voice of God. You know that, right? And I'm there and I get this, this just sense something drops into me. Uh, and it's this idea of, this picture of us. You know, I checked the stats before I came out. You know, the mortality rate is still at 100%. Unfortunately, you know... We're, we're all heading towards there. But I was reminded that actually, although it's dark, although it's going to get dark in mum's situation, there's a real hope. And the sun just came up beautifully. And then three days later, I was back in Liverpool, and I get this phone call from my sister. Hi, Elijah, it's Jill. Um, just want to let you know, Jill, stop right there. I know what you're going to say. How do you know? I feel like Jesus told me three days ago, just spoke to me, this picture of hope. And then it was, mum was diagnosed with cancer, um, three days later, terminal, quick decline. And, I went, and, and it was that moment I went to share with mum. I said, mum, I need to share this story with you. Uh, three days ago, in the middle of a field, on a morning, I really feel like Jesus preempted this whole conversation. Why? Because actually, the darker it gets, it's, it's, it's going to get light. This promise of, it's not the end. We all have a hope. Hope of eternity. So even when it gets darker in our own situations, and that's the extreme, isn't it? But actually, what a hope we have. What a hope we possess. Isn't that incredible? And I was like, God, I'm so grateful that you've shared that picture. And that's been the theme. While she's been ill, this theme of mum, I just need to remind you, today's a dreadful day. But actually, can I remind you again, this, this story and this idea that Jesus has you. The darker it gets, the lighter it's going to get. And it's just this picture of hope. And Jeremiah 29.11 says, to give you a future and a hope. Isn't that incredible? Lamentations 3.24 says, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. There was a mental health charity that wrote some guidelines for dealing with loved ones struggling with mental health uh, recently. And, and in it, they give this, this guide of, of really how we can help uh, nurture people who are kind of facing some difficult stuff. And, and it said this, that part of the recovery for each person who, who just wants to kind of reintegrate, perhaps it's socially has been a struggle, uh, or perhaps back to work and to celebrate those victories, that four key elements are needed, and finding and maintaining hope was the top one. That each person needs to find and maintain hope. And of course it makes sense, doesn't it? We all need hope, but sometimes we just feel like we're lacking in it. I was reading this story this week from Luke, and and it's quite chunky. If you've got your Bibles with you, I want us to journey through it today, this piece of scripture. You'll have read it a million times if you're a churchgoer, but perhaps it's new to you today. And it's titled this, Jesus Heals a Woman and... Jairus's daughter and it's Luke 8 verse 40 and we're going to read through to 56 and it's this story of, of just people identifying with hope even when they feel like hope shouldn't be achieved 
It says this, and I'll read it if you haven't got a Bible today, but it says this. Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue, and falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to the house, for he had only one daughter, I love this, about 12 years of age, the details great, and she was dying. He was desperate. As Jesus went, the people pressed all around him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she spent all of her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. Verse 44 says, she came up behind him, this is Jesus, and she touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? And when all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowd surrounds you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, no, somebody has touched me, for I see that the power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared in the presence of all the people to why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And this is kind of the first part of the story, this idea of just focusing for a moment on this woman. I often like to imagine what it must have been like. Jesus in the middle of this crowd. It's dusty, it's a hot day, there's people milling all over the place, wanting your attention. Imagine being in this church right now and everybody's pressing in around you. If I can just hold his hand, or if I can just give her a cuddle, or if I can just talk to her, or get one word, or even, even a look. This idea of people are there because they realise they're hopeless. Actually, there's things in their lives that they want from Jesus, this guy. So there they are. On a hot day, there could be a million other places realising that it's a touch from Jesus that they need. I don't think we're too dissimilar here today. All of us could be a million different places. But here we are in church realising that we too need a, a touch from Jesus. Just a look will do. If I can just touch his garment today, if I can just creep up, if I can just get a fingernail onto the Saviour, all will be well. And I think about this woman, her audacity, that she's tried everything else. Spent all of her money. She's that committed. What would you spend all of your money, I mean all of your money on? She was that desperate. And then she hears about this guy, Jesus, the physician, the great healer. Could he be the one who offers real, everlasting hope? And the story goes, as we've read a million times, that she touches just the hem of his garment, knowing... And this is the faith part, beautiful story part. If she can just get to that bit, the rest will be made well. I often wonder if this lady ever thinks about a plan B. If this doesn't work, that's it. Or if she just committed to the idea that actually, this is where I should have come first. This is the point of truth. No matter what I've been feeling. And we know from the story that she's immediately healed. She feels it. She just senses a, a, a cleansing, a wholeness. You know, this woman should not have touched the teacher. She was unclean. She was an outcast. But there she was, all in, knowing that if she touches the hem of his garment, that actually the odds will be stacked in her favor. Isn't it amazing? A story of hope. Then next week, again, it's just busy. For me, it would have been... Job done. But while he was still speaking, 
someone from the ruler's house came in, in the middle of the crowd, probably shouting, trying to get his attention. Where's this Jesus? Where's he at? Jesus, you needed. And he said, uh, someone from the ruler's house came in and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing, the, uh, hearing this, answered him, do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father of the mother and child. All were weeping and mourning for her, but he said, don't weep, for she's not dead, but she's sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. I mean, why would you laugh in the presence of the mum and dad? It's just a bit insensitive, disciples, really. You know, giggling away. You just, you do it quietly, wouldn't you, covertly? Jesus, it's not working. And they laughed and said at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called her, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once. And he directed that something be given to her to eat. And her parents were amazed. But he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Two stories of hope. Tremendous stories that sometimes we're like, wow, if we could achieve that and attain that, great. But they're so, so, so relatable to us. Why? Because they possess the same truth, which is that it's Jesus, the Nazarene, who comes into the situation being sought to do something in somebody's life. And we know that hope equals life. In these two situations, quite literally in one of them, hope equals life. So what about your hope today? What's in your heart? What if I ask you a bunch of questions? What are you hoping for? I know yours. It's great. What are you hoping for? What's on the agenda for you? Perhaps you're feeling hopeless about something. And I think, again today, regardless of how we feel or perhaps what's happened, at realigning ourselves and committing to the truth that points to Jesus, which is actually, the closer I get to you, Jesus, I understand hope for my life. Which may not make sense for me right now, but still it speaks because it's truth. And hope, it points to something eternal. And just without any fuss, I want to just separate this for two people. For those who are feeling hopeless about something today, perhaps it's not as extreme as years of medical issues. Maybe it is. Perhaps it's a repetitive scenario or situation. Stop the bus, I want to get off. And actually, again, it's not about our power, or our might. But actually, the closer I get to his garment, to lock in eyes with him, the rest becomes sense. So I want to pray, I want us to pray, for those who are feeling hopeless today. And as we pray, we're going to invite the fullness of God to come and uh, just grab hold of your life. Praying for that moment of you and Jesus. For a supernatural encounter today. And then for those who are sat there feeling so positive about life that you know we feel hope filled. 
I'm in a great place. Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm here. This has been some of my journey. I have this real hope. What the challenge for us is to be hope dealers. Isn't it tragic that for some of us, we, we know hope, but we rarely dis, uh, kind of dish it out. We rarely uh, sow it in. We rarely speak it out as well. So actually, we've got a real call, all of us, to be dealers of hope. Knowing that who we know can change lives. So I wonder if we can close our eyes, not because anything supernatural is going to happen, but just because, just to be sensitive to those who perhaps want to respond.